0: Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, <laughs> my nephew needs me of course. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello, and welcome to the first bonus edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I don't know what I'm going to coin this yet. I don't know how to brand this yet. Maybe Chase Thomas podcast plus. I'm I'm not sure. But I like things outside of sports, and one of those things that I very much like is binging good horror films on Netflix and. To kind of peruse Fear Street, part one, part two, and part three, I have Rosie Fletcher of Din of Geek here. Rosie, thank you so much. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Um, I'm excited because I don't know. So we, I guess we should start with part three, where they split it up into two parts. And I was wondering going in because the trailer didn't really show um, whether or not they were going to end it back in real time, And real time for this series is 1994. But um, what what did you make of the finale? Like, let's just start there. And folks, we're going to be talking about everything that's happened. So if you've not watched part three yet, uh, wait that out because there will be spoilers on this podcast. I don't know how you talk about this without talking about the spoilers. So um, how how did you how did you react? Because you saw this a couple of days ago. You you got the early the early viewing. So what 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 stood out to you?
1: Yeah, well, so, uh, I mean, I, I've enjoyed the whole series massively. I think they're great, um, and I think that as a whole, like, the three of them are greater than the sum of their parts, if you know what I mean. So as standalones, they're good, but as a series as a whole, they're excellent. So when I was watching it, um, as you say, Chase, the, the trailers didn't make it clear that we were going to be getting, um, like, 1994 Part mm-hmm. 2. So when that happened, and when you got that t- title card, I was like, yes, come on, come on. Um, yeah. Because it was just a really great moment. Did you did you find that? Did you get that sense of excitement yourself?
0: Yes, because I I don't know about you, but I didn't see that swerve coming at all. Did you? You mean uh the good it, family being the actual like, sci- I, like we we realized what was going on with Solomon ended up being a good, but um I don't know, I did not see that coming that Seraphir was actually not not a witch at all and that um uh, it was all um, un- she was unfairly treated, and it was all a disastrous witch hunt. Where you're not going to believe this, she was not actually a witch, and they were they were wrong. The townspeople were wrong. The men shouting yeah. were wrong. Rosie.
1: <laughs> well, it's a very progressive series, Chase. So I'm actually not <laughs> I'm not that surprised. So so I didn't guess the twist at all. But there is no way. That that set of movies were going to make Ceraphia be an actual witch because the whole thing is about this kind of, you know, the witch hunt of the two girls, you know, who are in a lesbian relationship and how badly they're treated, and also about how the the sunny the uh, sunny Veilers are um, like literally sort of sucking the life out of the shady side. So it's a film about with a really sort of positive attitude towards diversity and towards class and all those sorts of things. So if it had ended with and she was a witch. And so they hanged her. That, that wouldn't have worked at all. Um, That's so, it, so it was quite like, but I didn't expect it to be um, Nick or indeed Solomon. Uh, so that was a, a, a good twist, if you will. Um, so, yeah, then cut it. But the, so the thing is about the, the final part is obviously because it's set in 1666 and we know at the end that a young woman is going to be hanged. It's not very funny unsurprisingly yeah because uh, that's not really a laughing matter but which was great a great move then to cut to part two back in 1994 where mm-hmm. we could suddenly it could suddenly be funny again um, and it could suddenly have that sort of nostalgia stranger things vibe and that kind of you know teenagers overcoming adversity and things like that so I thought you know I thought that was quite a good move so that you didn't end the series with a nasty taste
0: in your mouth Do you know what I mean well, I mean they did have somebody else uh find the find the book as the, wow. the credits were rolling. So we don't know who that was. Who who do you think uh swiped it?
1: Ooh, I don't know. Um I did speak to the director, Lee Janiac, um, for an interview a while ago, um, when I'd seen the first and second one, but not the third. And we were talking about how, you know, you have all these like subsidiary killers that are like given a little bit of ooh, what could that be? Um Like Ruby Lane and Mm. you know uh, Billy Barker and and I was asking, well, could they have their own movies? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. I I, you know I'd love to make this into a kind of a MCU style multiverse. So I don't know who it was um, swiping the book, but I do like the idea of like, okay, so we've got all these historic ones, you know, we've got your Ruby Lanes and your Milkman, but maybe this is a way that it could have like a two thousands vibe, a more contemporary vibe. I mean, what would I don't know what that would look like? Would it would it look like um, an Ariaster movie would it be like incredibly harrowing and just awful, or you know what I don't know what two thousands horror or twenty twenty or twenty twenty one horror is what the epiphany of that is, but I like the idea that you could have that.
0: I was very pro blacklight and the neon and the and the, the the musical choices in part one and part two. I like going back to to this time period and like bouncing around. I'm kind of concerned of going to to the front. Um, the mall, the mall setting and a vibing mall is it, it speaks to me.
1: Mm. Well, I mean, I'm so I'm going to guess that I'm a bit older than you, and so I like nineties horror is very much my era. So I went mm-hmm. to see Scream at the cinema three times. I absolutely loved it. Like I was completely the right age for that sort of stuff. So, okay. so, so the nineties one was like mm. absolutely my, totally my vibe. So um,
0: when the the part one came out, you were just like, oh, I'm all the way in because you get the Scream like killer immediately in the yeah. in the series. Yeah.
1: And and it's got all the, it's got your little nod to um The Faculty, which is also a movie that I love, and I Know What You Did Last Summer and all that that kind of sort of slightly postmodern slashes, which I know not everybody loves. I, I do. So yeah, I was totally on board with that. Uh, whereas the seventy eight one, while I think it's a good film, it wasn't quite my vibe in the same way, because I just don't love seventies and eighties slashes in the same way as I love nineties ones.
0: Well, I think also, too, what's interesting about that one, because I was thinking about that before we were recording of, like, which one I was more... I think I was just more emotionally invested in the characters in part one and then part two of part three than I was the Camp Nightwing characters. I think that's part of the reason I just... I wouldn't place them at the same level just because you... I don't know. I don't know what it was, but, like, there was something about the young kids and just what they went through in part one that... Mm -hmm got it, it sunk you in a lot more than i think the kids at camp maybe because it was not happening in real time and you knew that they were not the end game and this was like a flashback and it's harder to buy in all the way in the flashbacks i mean the swerve of who ziggy actually was and how that ends and is is great but i don't think i was emot- as emotionally invested in those characters as the previous one what about you
1: yeah i think you're completely right and i think that's because we already know that um, they're all going to die, except mm-hmm. for Nick Good, who definitely obviously isn't dead, and except for whoever, as you say, C. Berman is. And yeah, the swerve to make her be Ziggy, I mean, Ziggy is obviously a better character than, um, I can't even remember her, It's Cindy, that's right. So, you know, it's, I'm I'm glad that Ziggy survives, but you already know that, like, nobody else is going to, really. So, I don't know, you, you're right, you, you know, that emotional investment isn't, isn't quite there. Mm-hmm. I also did really like it, but, Like, I also had the slight, so, like, given that we know that Ziggy is really the only one out of that group that survives, all of that stuff between Cindy and Alice, surely this is the adult Ziggy telling us this story, but she wouldn't know that because she wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So, that was like, um, that's a little bit of a stretch of -hmm. (laughs) the logic, but you know,
0: didn't ruin it, but. So when you're looking through all three of these films, what, uh, like you've written about the Easter eggs, you've written about some callbacks and you've spoken about it here a little bit. What were some of your favorite callbacks that, uh, Lee used in, uh, in these three films?
1: Um, well, so there are a lot of callbacks to, to each other, which I appreciated. And it, and it's, um, it's a quite a clever thing. So like I loved, um, when I re-watched, cause I've watched the first two twice because I had to write a lot about it, re-watching um, the first one and noticing that um, the kids, when uh, Katie, Kate rather has to, is babysitting two girls basically. And she has to get somebody else to look after because of the killer. And that's, um, that's Ruby Lane's mum. Mm. But you don't know that at the time, but it adds this extra sort of like level of, of poignance to it. When you, when you understand, you're like, oh, Okay, um, <laughs> you know, so like I like those little things. I like the little like, I mean, there's an Easter egg um, with yeah Kate in the first one says my mum's sister was at that camp and the, from um, director Lee Janiak she she said that it's the it's the little girl in the sort of creative arts. One one of really shocking kills in um, in seventy eight actually happens off screen, mm. and it's shocking because we understand as horror fans that you don't kill off the little kids, like you kill off the camp counselors, you don't kill off the little kids, um, and yet Tommy's latest character comes in, and it's it's like, you know, it's three preteens, and it's, it's it's off screen, but you basically see them just being hacked to death, which is kind of funny. And kind of awful, but anyway, one of those is supposed to be Kate's aunt, for example. So I thought those were quite sort of nice. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, well, you wouldn't notice, it. and I didn't notice it either. Um, I, so I specifically asked Lee Jane Ek about it because I'm saying, like, you know, she, Kate mentions her aunt was there. Who was it? And she was like, "Well,
0: all right, it's his character."
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I like, I like all that sort of stuff. I thought that was really cute.
0: What do you what What do you think is the biggest chance she took? Um, by creating these three. What do, you, what do you think when you wrote down when you're watching these three, what do you think was the biggest chance she took?
1: Um, that's a very interesting question. Like, so I don't think, I don't think it was a chance, but a thing that really struck me is how gory these films are mm-hmm. and how, how very definitely are rated there. They're also very sweary and there's also sex in them and not just heterosexual sex. Um, but these are based on books that were not – they were aimed at teenagers, not, but they weren't super violent or, like, totally R-rated. This is more, you know, in the, in the wheelhouse of, like it's – not, it's not Goosebumps. It's above Goosebumps, but it's, like, aimed at a, teeny, a teen audience. And there are lots of films, lots of very good horror films that are not R-rated. But the fact that she decided that, no, this has got to be properly full-on gore, violence, kills swears sex could have been a risk i don't think it was a risk because uh, what struck me is that when the, the right age actually to be watching r rated films is when you're a teenager like that's when we all that's when we all came upon you know halloween and friday the 13th and poltergeist and that renault and all those films you know you don't actually need to be 18 to watch them it's just you know that's the sort of tradition so i actually think it was a wise move but i wondered i wondered if she might have had any pushback from Netflix, you know, because it is like, this is quite a beloved young adult franchise that's now being turned into, you know, like, although obviously we can see stranger things vibes. It isn't really suitable necessarily for the stranger things audience.
0: No, I don't think there's a crossover. Yeah. I think that was something I was concerned about going in was just seeing the RL Stein aspect of it or I was like, mm, this is going to be a little too over the top, too hokey for me. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to buy in and you watch it and you're like, Oh no, this is gripping. This is it. We're going to have uh, uh, my girlfriend on it in a little bit, but that was something she was commenting on. Just the, the goriness and just like the, the speed of uh, the, the counselor in part two of his axe killing. Very, very, very efficient in uh, his speed and delivery. Very, very quick. Very good with an axe. Um, it, <laughs> he's a na- a, it stood out to her.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, he is, he is a natural. I think he kills like 12 people. Yeah, but he's he- a
0: natural, for sure. He's, if the whole <laughs> acting thing doesn't work out, he's got a he's got a, another career opportunity in serial killing, I think.
1: Serial killing, or maybe as a lumberjack.
0: <laughs> Lumberjacket, too. Is Are there still lumb- lumberjacks? Do those still exist? Are people still out there lumberjacking?
1: Uh, do you know what? I, I don't know that Britain really has a big lumberjack. <laughs> lumberjack community so i wouldn't believe you're the right person but i yeah i like to believe that it's a a thriving business well what's
0: the mall situation like you you've talked about um growing up with scream and going to that but when you saw them like so much of this movie is about like not even i shouldn't say about is involved and takes place in this mall um that is something I grew up on in, in the States and just I worked at a mall in high school and things like that. And just that vibrant community and just uh, – it, it, I love situations like that. And you saw that in Stranger Things too. Does that resonate to you and uh, other people across the pond on that front?
1: Well, so we don't – these days,
0: mm-hmm. we do have sort of malls, but we
1: call them shopping centers, mm. which is a, lot, a bit less glamorous. But it isn't – but certainly that wasn't really, um, it, it doesn't have the same cultural significance in this country. It, like we didn't hang around in malls when we mm-hmm. were kids, but we all grew up watching American TV mm-hmm. and American films. And so it's, it's weirdly as familiar. It's, it's synonymous with that kind of era. So even though that wasn't my personal experience, my personal experience was much more, much more sort of parochial. and It was basically sitting in parks drinking sweaty bottles of white lightning, which is a, a, a cheap cider basically interesting, um, okay, white lightning <laughs> what like terrible, terrible white lightning <laughs> you wouldn't recommend I, it I would not it's a hard part as a grown up it's like mm-hmm. why would I do that to myself, but this is what we did in rural parts of uh of England, where we would yeah basically get the oldest looking one of us to go and get a massive bottle of some disgusting cider and go sit in the park and drink it, so you know I'm not proud of that. <laughs>
0: I think I'm digressing slightly here. But, no, this is um, interesting. I, I like this. Uh, it brings us all together. Um, when you think about the acting in this series, because there was a lot of moving pieces, and the like you wrote about this in part three of like not only were they asked to do a lot of different stuff, but also they were asked to change accents for different uh different movies. So yeah. how do you think they ultimately fared there? Because that was something you'd written about uh that kind of uh you you it didn't ruin part three for you, but it is something that you you took note of.
1: I mean, so again, I'm not American, and perhaps that accent is. Uh, I suppose it's, it's supposed to be set in the Chesapeake Bay and in 1666, and obviously, I don't exactly know what that sounds like. But I have to say, I did find the accents jarring, and <laughs> it's all different to each other. Or is that, is that is that my ill-educated British ear? I mean, you tell me. Did you think they worked?
0: So I. I don't usually get, like, that's not one of those things that will draw me out. It was more, um, sometimes the dialogue will, like, I'm more focused on what they're actually saying, not the way they're saying it. Does that make sense? Where, if it's too hokey, like, so a good example of this is Slasher. Have you watched any of that series? Slasher? Yes. I don't think I even know what that is. Oh, it's another Netflix show. Um, there's like three different parts, but it's, it's right up your alley based on what I know so far about you, Rosie. Um, Mm. it, it, the dialogue is not good. The dialogue is not good and the acting is not good, but the action is it's one of those bad horror shows to watch. And Mm. it's good to have on in the background because that's what normal people do when they're writing and doing other stuff and being productive is having horror shows in the background. But um, that is something that draws me out a lot more of just like, that's not how human beings talk. Like not actually the accent, but just the the back and forth where I I can't that will that will lose me quicker than anything else in a TV show is how they're actually communicating versus the way like I can overlook accents and I I don't know I, I had not really I was not really that involved in that or I shouldn't say involved I was not really that um, taken out by that because um, I was still in on the actual dialogue and what they were saying.
1: Yeah, I mean, I did. Yeah, I did. I did find it jarring, but. I like I said in the review, like it didn't it didn't ruin it for me, and I thought they were all having a good go, and I thought that you know there's so much more to like than there is to criticize i mean yeah the, the other point that was a, a little bit um jarring is in the sixteen sixty six one we've we've got these teenagers, these older teens, and we're trying to sort of maintain a sort of a like a millennial um attitude. In an era where that wouldn't have been appropriate, so like, I'm pretty sure 17, 18 year olds in 1666 wouldn't have been getting high on berries and applejack
0: and having a lovely time. Like, <laughs> you've know, eaten berries? I think I was out. I, I think I mentioned I was would, like, there's I No way I'm not. doing this. What, why are these kids <laughs> just openly eating these witchcraft-filled berries? Like, I'm I'm out on that. I don't think you're going to be able to talk me into it.
1: I think I think in 1666 I would have been too busy dying of the plague. To be- <laughs> you know like i just don't i just don't like having had a little read around about american colonial history it sounds like it was pretty tough yeah like pretty hard um but yeah i mean would i have eaten the berries in my own contemporary life yeah probably
0: oh interesting see we're learning a lot about each other like i'm not, uh, like i'm not the risk taker you're the risk taker i don't know if someone offers me some some witch berries i'm just like hey, i think i'll pass i will think i'll stick with uh I think I'll stick with my water bottle, actually, because the water well is not looking great. Last time I checked, there was a dead dog in there. So I don't think uh, I think I need to be careful here.
1: Well, that's one of the things I did actually really love about the whole series is, is the way that its characters are outsiders. But whereas in the traditions of the slasher movie, the lesbian girl, the drug dealing girl, the slightly gender fluid boy, who's a bit of a troublemaker, all of those characters get killed. And certainly the black kid like but that isn't what happened here and these these characters are you know like like Kate and Simon are killed and they're killed horribly and and you really feel that you really feel sad for them because it's like actually Kate and Simon are really great characters and like you know she's you know, she's had like only bad luck in her life and but has managed to massively excel and we learn that he's just like this super nice guy who's been looking after his family since he was 13 mm. so i i loved that it was kind of kinder to its outsider characters you know so while you know in 78 it's the it's the jocks and the chillies and those lot all get offed in like I mean some of our outsiders do as well but like for example like the Alice character in 78 is this obviously troubled drug-taking sex-having girl but she but we learned that actually she really loved her boyfriend it wasn't just like oh I'm you know I'm out to get laid like you you get that actually that was a proper genuine like meaningful relationship and these are things that you don't really get in in the original sets of slashes that i thought was really fresh and new and like you know handled handled really well in this
0: yeah um i also think too what's really hard to pull off with horror movies is this like so dina just that it felt genuine like part of this is having multiple hour and a half episodes essentially to build this character development and to really latch on. But, like, her happiness at the end of part three Mm. is well-deserved. And, like, her smiling is kind of jarring based on, like, everything we saw before that. And um, to actually feel good about her future and to see optimism on her face is something that uh, is well-received and something you... I just, I was not expecting to just also smile along. I'm just like, Oh, this is, that's like the, the moment where it's like, this is earned and this is, this is good. She actually is optimistic about her future after just this dismay and this, um, I mean, Siggy was going through the same thing and just this, this optimism is so well earned, I think.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, in in many ways, if you look at the, the series as a whole, as well as being a horror movie, it's also, it's, it's a, like a, it's a love story across the ages, basically. And it's sort of in the tradition of things like um, Carmilla, um, where you see, you know, it's, so it's almost like Sarah and um, Hannah in 1666 are, are kind of these lovers who are, who are almost recreated, uh, reincarnated, sorry, as uh, Dina and Sam in 1994. Like it's like these, these souls that are supposed to be together. And it's, you know, this has been going on, this this curse has been going on for centuries, but it's only the love between those two women that is strong enough to be able to actually break this curse, even though you know the shady side have been living with this, you know, for generations and generations. It's her where she's like, No, I'm not going to let this happen to Sam because I love her. And so therefore, you know, it's that, it's that it's the strength of that, you know, that's carried on that that's, you know started in 1666 and carried right forward to 1994 that finally makes it able to be changed it's kind of like you know in a, in a romantic way it's kind of you know it's kind of lovely it's kind of beautiful
0: yeah i um, i also jotted down <laughs> would you have gone to this links for uh sam as deanna did to your high school sweetheart really going really doing everything possible to keep this relationship going she really really went in for the long haul for this uh high school high school lover. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Would I No, No, but. like that was something the, uh, the girlfriend and I we, we talked about it. I was like, "There's no way." Can you imagine high school? You going to this link to just uh, keep the your your partner alive and keep them going and like tie them up and like they tried to kill you and now they're possessed and you're like, "Well, we still got to keep her around. Just keep her chained up wherever we go, um, and hope for the best." But yeah, she's uh, she's 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 worth it. I think we're gonna make it for the long haul.
1: Yeah well but that's why I think it's important to understand like <laughs> you're completely right nah of course not um but but that's why I suppose it works for me if you understand that this is not just her high school sweetheart this is a, a love that has existed through the ages since 1666 so these are souls who are supposed to be together and who are always supposed to be together and now it's the 90s like you like know that kind of Transcendental love is carried, you know, is carried forward across all these different eras. And so, if you if you if you take the super romantic kind of um, angle, then it's like, yes. If you take the well, you're teenagers and you're dating, so you probably break up in a week anyway. Then <laughs>
0: perhaps not. Yeah, I have no context for this because I ran the school paper in high school, so not a lot of dating for me um, during that period of my life. I was I was more into books and uh, being the nerd on the sidelines for sporting events, uh, taking notes and stuff. So, um, but. My my expectation would be that I would I would not go to the, this extreme.
1: Um, well, I went to a girl school, so um, mm-hmm. I went to an all
0: girl school, which... Did uh, you?
1: Yes, I did, which produces extremely dysfunctional <laughs> women, so, yeah. So you would not recommend? I would not recommend. It would be mm-hmm. a hard part.
0: Yeah. Um, something else I had thought about. This is how my brain works, Rosie. I don't mm-hmm. know if your brain does this too when you're watching something where, like, oh, I want a spinoff where I just want Camp Nightwing... Um, so like when they're driving away on the bus, remember mm-hmm. the end of part two where they're getting the kids out, um, before, uh, Nick and, uh, Ziggy and everybody go through their, their end sequence. I would love a part two where, or just a spinoff where once the, the, cause there's no cell phones during this time period. There's no, in the seventies, there's no cell phones about like all the stuff that's happening at this camp. Like what that looks like when they get back home, of uh, just the the parents all waiting for their kids. And it's just like, Hey, so. Can't call, no cell phones. Um bad news. Uh we only have a third of the kids. <laughs> yeah, I think
1: that you need um like you know, like with Marvel movies, they have those one shots. Yeah. I think you need a little a little one shot of that of like a little half an hour segment of like he did what <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so somebody got possessed um it's a long story there were some monsters they chopped up some other like we don't even know what really ended up happening we got away before it got even worse but yeah it was we were playing night uh we were playing tag or we were capture the flag and it just turned into this whole thing where this guy was axing like a third of the campers but like some of them are here, so just um we're gonna let them out, and you guys figure out which ones are here. And then if the if your kids aren't here, um they were brutally murdered by one of their camp counselors. But anyway, um yeah.
1: if and then um, liked... <laughs> um, uh, Mrs. Slater, I think probably we maybe we need to have a little sidebar
0: conversation. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing big. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. But we just need to have a private conversation. That's that, that, like uh, just about your son in particular. Yeah. <laughs> oh man see this is what we should we should be directing the horror movie spinoffs or is it? like let's just do that where it's just we get really meta with the uh, with this stuff um
1: i do love all that i do love the idea of like because one of the, th- the things about slashes is that like so slashes are about survival like people think slashes about kills but they're not they're about survival and what they're very much not about is grief and so like you know, that's part of the joy of it. You know, you don't really want to, like, you know, if, if you go through something and, like, your best friends are killed, you're not getting over that. L- that's not going to be okay. You're not going to be fine about that. But slashes don't deal with that. And I, and I I appreciate slashes for that. But I do quite like the idea of what the actual reality would be. As a slight digression, I was reading this book recently. It's new. It's called The Final Girl Support Group mm-hmm. by Grady Hendricks, And he's a, he's a favourite author of mine. And that's literally about that. It's about these kind of final girls in the mould of, you know, um, obviously Laurie Strode and like Heather Langenkamp's character in Nightmare on Elm Street, and basically what happens to them afterwards, and they're all completely messed up. Obviously, they're all just completely ruined people. Uh, so yeah, quite like the idea of the reality of that.
0: Yeah, and I would. Would you get bored? Would you get bored um, if you're Dean after this? Like, wow. I just lived like 19 different lives um, in my high school years. Like college is going to be a breeze. Like, I don't know if I can just like pay attention in philosophy, like intro philosophy. How how do I do that? I don't know how I get back to normalcy and know that like my most exciting years are absolutely behind me because there's no topping that, I don't think.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, like, that's exactly the the thing of, of final girl support group. It's like, mm. what happened to you if the most significant moment in your life happened when you were 16? Like how do you deal with that? Like what is the rest of your life gonna look like? So one of them is obviously like a massive addict, which is you know, probably where I would go because you just wouldn't be able to cope with it. One of them's like an absolute control freak because she keeps expected to be killed all the time. Like, you know, how do you get through that? Like nothing's normal. And also then you become like um you become really famous for not dying. And mm-hmm. like what a thing to be famous for.
0: It's a it's a really weird thing. It I I don't know what you do, but, um, I don't, I don't know. I'm not really sure, but we now have my girlfriend here who has some questions for you, Rosie. Samantha, are you there?
2: Hello? I am.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Rosie. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. How you doing? I'm doing great. Oh, I love your accent. You already knew I was going to say that, didn't you? <laughs> I did not, but thank you. <laughs> So what are we talking about?
0: We're we're talking about part one, part two, part three. So what questions do you have for Rosie about? Because you we we talked about the uh, the accents. We talked about the axe throwing that you were really in on. Oh um, my
2: gosh, He was so fast! <laughs> so fast.
1: No nonsense. I loved that. No nonsense killing. <laughs> I mean, that that beheading was particularly impressive. I thought, like, you know, single swipe. <clears throat> Straight off. Absolutely. No, I loved it. If he saw you, you were
2: dead. And that's what I need. I don't like the slow walking Michael Myers. I could get you. I'm probably going to get you. This guy was just, he was there. He meant business. I was all about it. I think I said, he's so fast, just multiple times because that's how impressed I was. That's the kind of horror that I like.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah super efficient. He was super so, efficient. So, yeah, go ahead, Sam.
2: Well, which
1: one was your favorite? Ooh, well, that's a, that's a good question. Like kind of like maybe the third one, but that, but it wouldn't have been if it was a standalone. I say so like, uh, I was saying to Chase, like the whole series is more than the sum of its parts. So the third one had some great revelations. It had such a nice mix of things. I really love folk horror in general. So that scratched an H for me. Um, but but then maybe the first one because the first one actually is probably the most successful as a standalone, and the first one has such a lot of energy and such a lot of heart. Uh, so yeah, it's a yeah, I think probably I think seventy eight was my least favorite. I still thought it was great, but that one didn't quite have the energy. I think for the first and third. How about you?
2: Um, I well, I I told Chase this already, but I really enjoyed the first one because I felt that the soundtrack was so on point in putting me in the nineties. <laughs> Mm. The aesthetic was there. the soundtrack had me into it. Um, I like I love the heart, just like you said, and I think they did a good job of building the story. But I am an old school, like take me back and please forgive me for not knowing what centuries are. Take me back to the, take me back to Salem days i love I love that where it's just no questions. you're a witch, you're a witch and you're dying. We all believe it. Here comes the pitchforks. So I really liked that portion of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I also watched a series called Salem and loved every season of that. So that might've swayed me a little bit. Um, But I thought that they did really, really well at having all of the people um, intermingled into each one and come back. I loved how the dead people kept coming back. (laughs) Um, Especially the Ruby girl with her creepy little rhyme um, or her little song. That was particularly
1: horrifying for me. I like that. I yeah, like that you want like Ruby Lane would be my first choice of, of the first spin-off. Like I of think choose- Right. And also, like, can we talk about the revelation at the end where mm-hmm. it's the family and he's choosing the people?
0: Yes. That's okay. Funny. So <laughs> Well, this was something we yeah. wondered about with the family, because there was the brother who claimed to not know anything, but he yeah. was not killed. And the curse was still broken. Why was he? Why was the curse broken if he was spared?
1: Well, I guess because he wasn't doing it. Because he wasn't the eldest. Like, he wasn't the the heir. I think it was okay. like the first. I think it had to be the firstborn son. But what I was wondering. Well, there are a couple of things. Like, how how do people? So why why would you choose Ruby Lane as your person? Like, why would you choose a teenage girl? That's such an odd. Like, I want the story of how the good like. Mr. Good or whatever he was called in that era, it was the 60s, I think, would choose her. That's a good point. That's a good point. And I also wonder who
2: was in charge at that point because I know it was like great, 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 you know, all the way going back. So maybe it was just a teenage vendetta. Like someone was just (laughs) at school and they were like, Ruby is such a bitch. She's the next one to go. Yeah, Um, Because I feel like that's what happened at camp.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, absolutely, because um yeah because maybe it was like i mean this is pure speculation now but maybe it was like some like maybe the the good person at that era was like wanting to date her and she wasn't into it
0: so he's like right well she can yeah. be my uh well, be- that's what it was rose that's i also wanted to mention I, I i i think i said this to uh, my girlfriend this morning was that like i would love to also like when we're talking about the spinoff of going to camp and uh, like our coming back from camp and greeting the parents with only a, a bus a third full. What I if we did another spin off, Rosie, <laughs> where it's uh just the, the moments before uh Mr Good or Nick Good knew that his his dad was a Satanist who made a deal with the devil. Like I would love that sit down because he's just out there playing with his neighborhood friends and his dad's like, "Hey, I need you to come in here for a second." Um. So long story short, uh, we made a deal like our ancestors, the classic making a deal with the devil situation, and um, you're next. You're the heir, so we need you. No rush. We need you to get get on board. We're going and get to camp a,
2: this summer. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we need you to like pick which one you don't like, which classmate you're not all in on. Um, if it's the 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 long haired football player, that's fine. That's fine with us. We just need you to pick somebody because our family's lineage and property and everything depends on it. And the devil, he's kind of like a guy who doesn't have a lot of else going on. So we need you to go ahead and keep that thing going. Like I would, I would love a spinoff on that.
1: <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, well, I was just thinking, like, because it, it did strike me that, like, Nick, when he's a youngster in 78, mm-hmm. he's obviously he was a really nice kid. And, like, well, about that age. And he's, like, super tortured about being the Antichrist. He's, like, really torn up about it, whereas mm-hmm. Nick just completely nonplussed. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm the, I'm the um, yeah, Tommy Slater then. All right, off we go. Like, really just – and, like, you know, if you're – like, why would you choose that? So, like, if you look at the um, if you look at the body counts in history, they're not all the same. So you have to be a particular type of wanker go, <laughs> you know what? Summer, oh, yeah. camp, summer camp. I'm going to do it at summer camp. I'm not going to do it in a place where people can get away. I'm going to do it where there's loads of little kids. And, if, <laughs> you know, even I could do a Ruby Lane and just be like, oh, well, she killed, like, a handful of her mates and they killed herself. It's like no, 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 I, I, no. No, I, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go harder. I'm gonna go home. Summer camp, children. <laughs>
2: yes. What kind of make go home? Well, yeah. I have to say, I think he was obsessed with both of the sisters. He just latched onto the weird one. Um, but the other one was like dating the guy that that became possessed, right? So maybe that was his thing. He was just like, well, I can't have that one. We're definitely gonna make your boyfriend insane. That's this- we're gonna go for that.
1: Yeah, you just sort of think, well, maybe, could you not do it on a weekend, though? Not not, not at camp, perhaps, so that not oh, as many well. people get killed. Like, you know, the guy, um, I can't remember his name, but the very first one in the mall, there were only seven people killed then. So, you know, maybe kinder to do it at a mall than to do it in a um, in a summer camp full of children.
0: Also, who won the color war? We never made that clear. Like, who actually won the color war? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Babe, everyone died. No. <laughs> No one won the no one won the
1: color war. They, they gave up that. There were no winners that weekend.
2: Yeah, everyone lost. Um, <laughs>
0: Except Nick Good, I he have won. A, he I have a going. question. Mm-hmm.
2: I think that there's a lot of room for this series to grow because a few of the people that came back, I didn't know what they had done. Like, I think I announced uh, the baby killer. I don't think he was actually a baby, and I don't think he killed babies. You know who I'm talking about, right, Chase, with the baseball bat? Yeah, the and little And he's wearing, like, a, a baby face helmet, and he's like, or er, a er, baby face helmet. Yep, that's what masks are. A baby face helmet. And <laughs> he's got the baseball bat. What did he do? I want to know his story so bad. Did okay, so, I miss I, it? Or? No
1: um, So this is how much of a nerd I am. Yeah. <laughs> massive nerd. I wrote an article about the shady side Killers. Um, now, there's not very much information out there, but at the very beginning of the first one, there are these newspaper clips. So there I am, pausing uh, my Netflix, yes. getting up close to the screen to see what I can read about each of them. <laughs> and yes. What I can tell you about Billy, Billy Barker, I think he's called, mm-hmm. is that he was, I think he's. Um, he has some sort of learning difficulty, disability, and some sort yes. of deformity, I think but was an otherwise nice kid who at one point basically bludgeons to death his brothers and his parents in their beds. Okay,
2: perfect. Why did we choose him? We're just picking on people now, just a tiny child. I mean, you talk about camp, but this boy, he sounds perfectly fine.
1: Well, yeah, but I suppose if you're like, so he's, I can't remember what era he was in, but like, he's quite a while ago, but it's almost like, is it an era where people were just horrible ableist kind of, you know oh well if we're going to pick someone then I'm going to pick the disabled kid because he's Brave. collateral rather than you know like if he only killed I, mean, I say only but if he only kills his his two brothers and his parents it's like well that's four which is better than the terrible Nick Good decision to make it at some camp and knock off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's quite an interesting one uh yeah and like the milkman the milkman what's what's it what's with him <laughs>
2: Well, nobody likes milkmen. Okay, we know what? all the stories about milkmen.
1: <laughs> Who doesn't like milkmen? They bring you milk. Well,
0: do they? We, do, do, we, do, we, do, we don't. What? Uh, uh, <laughs> do you, uh, uh, I don't know. I think I'm mad on milkman. There is a the, what like ice cream man, milkman. I don't. I don't like any of them. Like, uh, let's get let's let's move on from all of them. I think. <gasps> what is you? Do
2: need a, they do need a murder ice cream truck driver. That's what's next. They need that.
0: Well, and that already don't happened. That was heard. season one of um, Dexter was the ice cream ice cream truck killer.
2: That's not here, though. That's not this universe. <laughs> I need yeah. it in this universe, and I need the, for the truck, it, it goes real slow, and
1: the song goes even slower, and then it skips sometimes. I think, it's I think real. Like I think you're really skirting into vilifying people who work in the dairy industry here. I, I don't
2: know. <laughs> I I'm talking about that. Well, I'm lactose intolerant, I've decided. So you're right, it's fresh. It's a fresh wound for me, and that's it, I'm going for
1: them. I see, I knew there was something. (laughs) Rosie, what, uh, oh yeah, go ahead.
2: ahead. I was just gonna say, when when you were talking about like the day that you sit your son down and you're like, hey, uh, I hate to say this, but you know, look all around, you see all this? There's a reason why we're super rich and loaded. So you have to keep doing this stuff. Have you seen the movie? I think it's called Hide and Seek.
1: Um,
2: Has anyone I, seen this movie?
1: Is it, not, is it quite yeah. an old movie?
2: Um, it was, it's been pretty recent. It, it's not super great. It's one of those that you put on and you watch it and you go, hmm, and then you turn it off and you never think about it until this conversation. But they kind of have the same premise where the guy, when you marry into the family – you have to sit down at this ancient table and like choose a card of a game to play, and you oh, might no, no, choose no. a card, and you might that, choose a card that's just like no game at all. But if you choose one, you've got to play it. And if you make it through the night without getting murdered by the family that you t- just married into, y- um, I think the whole family dies. Like you um, get to live, but the whole family dies. So they basically so, want to murder you.
1: So that Has movie, no is one called, seen it? yes, I've seen it. It's not called Hide and Seek. It's called Ready or Not. Maybe yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So you did got, see it? I did see it. Yes, it's called Ready or Not. Uh, it's got samara weaving in lead. Uh, and love her. I thought it was great. And the ending of that movie is like is, a, is brilliant. I don't want to spoil in case people haven't seen it, but that, that ending right. is just so bonkers. Oh, it's amazing! Yeah, it's
2: amazing. But that is what reminded me of that because basically that's that's kind of how the movie starts. You're <laughs> just like we're loaded, like we're unbelievably yeah. rich, but sometimes we got kill people. That's you know
1: natural. That's just what happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that yeah, I I would recommend that. That's a a cracker. That's a good
0: one. We have taken too much of your time this afternoon or this evening in London, rather. So I uh, would like to wrap up here with uh, what can we check out from you across Den of Geek or anything else you would like to plug as we have this bonus (laughs) episode of the podcast?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, Den of Geek mostly. Um, Lots of things I'm covering at the minute. Uh, Yeah, Fear Street, a lot of that. Um, We have our... I'm working on our next Den of Geek print magazine because I am also in charge of print at Den of Geek and I'm a massive massive print nerd. Um, so Same. yeah. Oh, there you go. No. So I've been in mag I was in working in magazines for for years and I loved it. So digital is great magazines are also great so yeah if you can if you come to Den of Geek you can check out the beautiful print products which you can subscribe to I think for free. Uh so yeah, and he- yeah, head over to den of geek.com. There'll be lots of me and my fabulous colleagues banging on about nerdy things.
0: But also read your and read your reviews in Den of Geek, they were great. So I appreciate that. Um this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for taking the time today, Rosie. I no, really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. When you when you when you, when you said it will be ten to twenty minutes, I thought, <laughs>
0: yeah, you'll be lucky, man.
1: <laughs> it's not only ten to twenty minutes. I've met me. <laughs>
0: No, this is great. I'm, I'm very happy that this worked out. So thank you so much, Rosie. We'll have to do this again when they do the spinoffs or any other kind of horror movies that come out.
1: Yeah, 100%. Nice to meet you both. Nice thank to you, Rosie. Thank you. Too. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.